This is episode 187 of IDRA Class Notes. And by resource equity, you're also including in that not just physical facilities or books or materials, but we're also talking about teachers being as efficient and effective with the placement of teachers as we are with how many books are at a particular campus or if they have the structural needs that that need to be met, but also the academic needs, the amount of professional development that they're receiving, magnet or not, our traditional teachers as well need that extended professional development as well. Good afternoon, and welcome to another Class Notes podcast. I'm Paula Johnson, and I'm here with David Hinojosa, the director of the IDRA EAC South. Today, we'll be discussing achieving integrated schooling. We wanted to begin the conversation by talking about the differences between desegregation and resegregation. The Brown versus Board of Education case in 1954 established that it is unconstitutional for schools to be racially segregated. And that started a process of desegregation cases in some school districts and voluntary desegregation for other school districts. Along this time from 1954, we saw a reduction in the amount of school districts that were segregated. But in 1990, you start seeing a consistent decline in the number of the percentage of black students in majority white schools, thus beginning a resegregation of school systems after a period of desegregation. David's going to talk about how that segues into integrated school systems. Sure. And typically when people talk about desegregated school systems, you know, they're talking about, you know, going from two separate school systems, one for blacks and, and one for whites. And so you can have, you know, policies and systems desegregated, but doesn't necessarily mean that you have integrated schools where schools are purposefully uh, bringing students of different race or different income levels all into, you know, the same schools to be educated. But, you know, the four equity assistance centers uh, came together because we said, well, you know, integrated schools is great, right? School integration is, is a wonderful thing. But what happens if you have school integration, but you don't have integrated schooling in the classrooms within the programs and services uh, within a school. And so we sought to, you know, help state and local education agencies across the country by developing this equity-based framework for achieving integrated schooling, which can be found on our website at www.idraexouth.com. And this framework is for school districts and communities to help them design racially and economically integrated schools. And we synthesized the research, the best practices in this area, and then we grounded many of those components in an equity framework. So how might this actually truly realize itself within a school? And we have three different components uh, to this. One is the inclusive co-constructive planning approach that makes sure that all the stakeholders have equal footing and equal say in developing school integration plans. And it also includes, you know, a review of data, establishing diversity principles, uh, looking at student assignments and different alternatives to help integrate schools. 
And then it jumps to the second major component, which is school-based supports, which looks at school culture, it looks at open pathways to make sure students aren't being tracked, uh, professional supports for the school leaders, and student and family supports as well. And then finally, it looks at the, the third component is outcome measures. Outcome measures include integrated schooling metrics. So what does the data say on whether or not students are being tracked in a program? What does the data say about whether or not there are opportunities to learn? Uh, what is it saying about school climate? And of course, we do have student success, which would include student achievement, but we wanna make sure that people aren't solely focusing on student achievement as commonly driven according to you know state accountability processes so it still remains incredibly important but there's also other outcome measures so i was hoping you might be able to describe you know some of the practices that the equity assistance center has engaged in with uh, some of the schools and districts that we've serviced across the region especially in the first two elements absolutely in inclusive co-constructive planning We have worked with school districts across our region, specifically in one particular district where there's a community advisory committee that is assisting or working collaboratively with the district to address uh, school discipline and student achievement and trying to develop more culturally diverse climates for students, trying to build more integrated systems where Families and communities have a voice, not just a seat at the table, but actually are driving the conversation about what it is they want for their students, what their students need, and how the school district can address those needs. In a second district, we've actually worked with leaders and teachers from that school district in developing a diversity, or if you can call it an equity plan, under the Every Student Succeeds Act for local control, if you will, of all stakeholders, students, teachers, parents, administrators, community-based organizations, to get involved in how to best serve the needs of the students, both academically and um, under their social-emotional needs. In a lot of those conversations, they discuss the allocation of resources, they discuss uh, high-quality teaching, they discuss diversifying their teaching staff, making sure that facilities are safe, and again, building an equitable climate for instruction for student success. In the second area of school-based supports, a lot of the school districts across our region that we work closely with are very interested in building positive teacher-student relationships in order to not just reduce disciplinary incidents, but also increase academic outcomes. In a lot of situations, School districts are requesting instructional strategies that help build high expectations for students of color and underrepresented students. We also talk about building positive and inclusive school culture through the development of teams of teachers who might be able to share restorative practices and coach other teachers in those practices. It's a support for culturally relevant curriculum. We do implicit bias training and cultural competency training as well. And going to the third component of outcome measures, again, when we're looking at integrated schooling, we're looking beyond whether or not the 
the school is 50% white and 50% non-white. Mm-hmm. We're looking at, you know, the classroom. So we've used the framework in helping school districts break down barriers to uh, course enrollment, whether it's yes. advanced placement, whether it's a international baccalaureate program, uh, whether it's extracurricular activity. Sometimes, you know, the segregation can occur there as well. And so, you know, we want to look at those outcome measures and see, okay, well, what exactly is going on in the school? And then what are some of the potential root causes to that that can be addressed? It could be something as simple as gauging the expectations, teacher expectations, leadership expectations for students of color and whether or not they feel as though they could be challenged and successful in higher advanced coursework. Uh, It could also be on social climate. So, you know, getting back to the school-based supports that you identified, you know, such as restorative justice. Well, what do the student surveys say about, you know, how the school climate? What do teacher surveys say about relationships between teachers and students as well as parent surveys? You know, that can be measured in uh, many different ways. And of course, student success too using some intersectional data along race and gender also, so you can help identify whether or not it might be a race thing, but it might also be a race slash gender thing, uh, for example, or national origin language related issues. So making sure that you're looking at intersectional data as an outcome is incredibly important. And finally, you know, I want to speak a little bit about the potential policy implications. So we do have identified in the framework these three major components, but we also note that there's potential policy implications which have to be on the radar. And oftentimes school districts operate in silos. So there might be a transportation office, it might be a school funding office, it might be a teacher curriculum office. Some of them work on practices, what's going on in the classroom. Others work on policy issues. And sometimes there's not even those talks going in between these silos. And so it's incredibly important. So if you have a greatly designed plan, a school integration plan, and you have your different supports, but you haven't looked at what are the implications for transportation. How are we going to even get students from different parts of the town to go to the different schools? We talk about resource commitment, which is incredibly important because you need those resources committed to having a successfully integrated schooling system. But also, does that mean that you're not looking at the other resource equities if you are using, for example, a magnet school, which might not be a whole district approach? Right. So are you draining resources from other schools and high-need schools? So you have to look at resource equity implications as well as teacher quality issues and, of course, attendance zones, which typically follow neighborhoods. But Mm -hmm. how and why is that? You know, if this is a school within a school district, uh, where's that partnership with the greater communities that are being served? And how can these attendance zones be possibly redesigned in order to better support racially and ethnically and socioeconomically integrated schools. And by resource equity, you're also including in that not just physical facilities or books or materials, but we're also talking about teachers. Absolutely. Being as efficient and effective with the placement of teachers as we are with how many books are at a particular campus or if they have the physical or the, the structural needs that, that need to be met, but also the academic needs are the teacher, the teacher training, the diverse teacher population, the amount of professional development that they're receiving, magnet or not in some cases, or, or like you had mentioned, IB and AP 
our traditional teachers as well need that extended professional development as well. A question that I had for you as well, in outcomes, when you talked about data, I think it's also crucially important that you have mentioned to me many, many times is that we look at our data through an equity lens. It's a new concept for some people to look at their data and think equity because they're like, but our students are succeeding. But the students who are not, like when you mentioned equitable access, you know, to advanced academic programs, how do your, let's say, your calculus or AP physics courses break down? to, as you said, the crosswalk, the percentage of girls versus boys, and then is there representation among uh, minority or underserved students? So I think it's really important, it's critically important that we look at even our data, we have to have an equitable viewpoint as to how we are doing. And, and the four EACs, the four equity assistance centers, have drafted a written narrative that will accompany this uh, so that people can understand, well, what does it mean looking at something from an equity lens on what does authentic community engagement mean, for example? What does student <coughs> success mean from an equity lens? So we'll have that product out there to help uh, schools and communities better understand the meaning of these incredibly important terms and supports. And again, the framework will be available online at idraeaxouth.org. And should you need any other resources related to diversifying the field, diversity gaps and such, we're coming out with some web-based packages as well. Look for them on our website. And should you have any questions or should you need technical assistance uh, in this area or other areas touching upon race, national origin, sex, or gender, please reach out to us through our website or call us on the phone. We're happy to serve you uh, within Region 2 or refer you to one of the other equity assistance centers across the country. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.